Hey, it's Bobby Sylvester, and we've got an episode for you today with Jake Seeley's Dissenting Opinions. But first, I want to tell about YourRules.com. Before you just use the same commissioner service as always, there's a hot new site that's offering some incredible new customizable features, and it's YourRules.com. Instead of set it and forget it, there's finally a fantasy football platform with the ability to manage the outcome of your weekly matchup. They're the first site out there to offer a fantasy experience that's much closer to how a real football game is managed. I'll definitely be using their site to take advantage of some of the features this season. To learn more about in-game substitutions, points for penalty yardage, and the unique ability to handle injuries, head over to yourrules.com and register for the 2017 NFL season. Your rules is fantasy sports your way. That's www.yourulz.com. All right, let's talk some football. Welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast with Mike Tagliere and I'm Bobby Sylvester. Tags, life is good, man. I had a pretty gruesome looking arm injury right now, but here I am talking about fantasy football on a Monday. You know, if this had been part of the interview process, I probably would have just sawed off both my arms for this job. Yeah, Bobby decided to. That's the thing. We get older, right? And we we have to realize our limitations. I, I don't think Bobby has realized his yet. Apparently, he uh, he tried to be Superman on the softball field this weekend and ended up breaking his arm. So, if he's all popped up on painkillers, don't worry. Jay, uh, our guest and I will carry you through the show today. <laughs> it's not definitely broken yet. We'll find out more later. It doesn't look good, and it was the championship game, so, you know, limitations out the window. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess you put it all on the line, but you may not get a second contract. No, it was it was not worth it at all, although I did get some cheesecake sent home from a family birthday party yesterday out of sympathy, so maybe it was worth it. <laughs> So today we're joined by the super accurate Jake Seeley of RotoExperts.com. We're going to be picking his brain on some of his crazy rankings. Then I'm probably going to adjust my own rankings after I hear his logic. Jake, I've been looking forward to this, man. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, but uh, I won't be carrying anybody because I the, the old man injury over the weekend, too. I went to a pool and I tried to move one of the little benches thinking it was one of those fake cement ones to come to find out it was real cement and it wasn't attached <laughs> to the legs. So as I went to pick it up, it was enough power to pick it up pick it up but then the legs tipped over it fell over I fell over so I've got like tape all down my shoulder from where and I've got I mean cuts down my legs down the walls so I'm not carrying anybody my shoulders broke <laughs> Dags you got to carry us both man I was about to say I got to stay away from you guys you guys are going to get me in trouble I um I, I actually suffered from food poisoning on Friday Saturday wow, what is going on Ooh, I don't know it's, it's it's something with this fantasy football business but I mean I guess it's all it's someone good that we is all... trying to take out all of the accurate experts like to get to the top <laughs> Wait, of the hold on, I don't hold know on. who it is but I got a question it's going to be gross for everybody listening but I just because I've had food poisoning Mike did you make it to the point where your body was still trying to throw up but there was nothing left oh the dry heaving yeah that's not fun it, it, yeah. i definitely had that. i had that right from the get-go and i just wanted something to come up so i had to start drinking things and like <laughs> to get it to come up it was just so weird man i don't it was the first time i've ever experienced it so it, it was not fun i'll just say Were your abs sore the next day <laughs> yeah i had a workout no and the, the weird thing with me is that i know so people have these built-in work excuses right they could say they threw up so me i can never hide the fact that i threw up i can never lie about it because i, I break blood vessels like all over my forehead um, whenever oh, I throw man. up because it's like so violent. So, yeah, I, I just I hate throwing up. It's like the worst thing in the world for me. But fortunately, I'm feeling healthy. I am good to go. Ready to rock. 
<laughs> what a crazy weekend. Guys, we've got some fantasy football news to talk about, but I want to tell you we did our draw for the Fantasy Jocks Championship belt winner, and it's Corey from Michigan. He's been notified. He confirmed his address, so sorry you guys uh, don't get this one, but we are giving away a signed Amari Cooper jersey from Pristine Auction soon, so make sure to get your entries into contests at fantasypros.com. With a screenshot of your iTunes review and subscription, you'll be entered for every giveaway we do the rest of the year. Okay, Tags, news of the weekend. Let's do it. All right, news of the weekend. Obviously, the big one coming down. Jay Cutler has signed with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I was sitting at a computer yesterday when kind of all this started breaking, doing research. So I decided to write an article on it right away. Jake, I know that you did the same exact thing for Roto Experts. So, you know, let's, let's talk about our takes about Jay Cutler. What does it mean for, you know, is Jay Cutler draftable first? And second, if he's not, does that change your outlook on guys like Devontae Parker, Jarvis Landry, or even Julius Thomas? Yeah, I don't think he's draftable outside of super flex and two quarterback leagues, obviously, but you're not looking to add Jay Cutler. We could go back to even his best season with Adam Gase, and you never really wanted to start Jay Cutler, let's be honest. When it comes to fantasy, there's just some appeal there where you're like, oh man, I can't believe Jay Cutler went out and threw for 350 yards and three touchdowns, but he also threw for three interceptions because he doesn't give a damn because he's Jay Cutler. That's really how he plays, but that's where the appealing part comes from. And I was at Sporting Charts, and I'm looking at the thing that they have over there, which is air yards. And they also break it down by air yards per attempt, which is basically defined. And what they explain it on their site is it's the yards in the air before the ball is caught. So it takes out yards after the catch to give a better example of how aggressive the quarterback is in his own right. A little bit similar to dot, as we all know from Mike Clay, but from instead of being the wide receiver's perspective, it's the quarterback's perspective. And looking at just last year, for example, Jay Cutler's average yards for attempt in the air yards was 4.47. As much as we even like Matt Moore more than Tannehill, he was only at 4.17. Tannehill was way down at 3.86. So it's the same thing we've always known about Jay Cutler. He's aggressive. He doesn't care. He wants to take those big plays. He likes to go after the big wide receivers, what he's dealt with for most of his career, of a Devontae Parker type. So I think... Devontae Parker gets a small boost. Kenny Stills gets a small boost, and I think people need to stop ignoring Kenny Stills even before this and not knowing what kind of rapport there's going to be on top of it. But Jarvis Landry takes a slight hit, but I was already down on Jarvis Landry a little bit anyway because he doesn't score touchdowns. And if Devontae Parker's going to emerge as everybody thinks he's going to, Jay Cutler or Ryan Tannehill or Matt Moore, whoever it was going to be, wasn't going to throw for 4,000-plus yards and 30 touchdowns. So if you're going to say Devontae Parker's getting more, it has to come from somewhere. So I think that's the biggest thing now. Jarvis Landry doesn't take a huge step back, but I would say you know 5% down for Landry and maybe 5% up for Stills and Parker. Slight movement. All right, so I want to hit the pause button here before, Bobby, I get your take on the situation because Jarvis Landry, you just mentioned him, news came out this morning right before the show, so I don't know if you guys have heard it, but Jarvis Landry, Adam Gase came forward and said, Jarvis Landry is being investigated for domestic violence. We are aware of it. You know, I can't really talk about it from there. So, you know, does this affect things? You know, like, Bobby, let's get your take on Jay Cutler and what it means for everybody. Not drafting Jarvis Landry anyway, so, I mean, I don't care about that news from a fantasy perspective. Obviously, if he's guilty, I hope that they find out. Um, With that being said, Again, I don't care about Jay Cutler either. I mean, he, I just ranked him. He's my number 22 quarterback. I'm not starting him in a two-quarterback league. So I, I'm not very excited about this news for anyone. I don't think he's a downgrade or an upgrade, really, from Ryan Tannehill. 
doesn't change any of my rankings whatsoever. So uh, I think people, so yesterday the outcry was that Jake Hutler under Adam Gase was was hidden, that Adam Gase used him as a game manager. Alshon Jeffrey played nine games that year. Here are the remaining Bears wide receivers he was throwing to. Marquise Wilson, Eddie Royal, Josh Bellamy, Mark Mariani, Cameron Meredith had 16 targets, Deontay Thompson. So legitimately, like, what are we talking about here? We're talking about a guy that threw 21 touchdowns, 11 interceptions while throwing to that receiving core. Going to Miami, it is possible one of the better trios in the NFL. I'm not saying they're the best, but I'm saying it's rare that you find a, a, a trio of wide receivers this deep. Jarvis Landry, you know, some people will say that Jay's not going to hit him. It's hard for me to say that, like, for, like to, like, I'll be honest about it. We've never seen Jay Cutler play with a slot receiver like Jarvis Landry, so it's hard for me to say he won't target him. But what I will say, people have been throwing it out this morning. It's like a stat people are talking about on Twitter is that Ben Roethlisberger has not supported two top 24 wide receivers since 2009. Well, Jay Cutler has done that twice in the last four years with Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall. What do those guys have in common? They're very big bodied wide receivers. So, you know, everything we've heard about Devonte Parker this offseason has been positive. Everything that everybody has been seeing from campus positive. The addition of Jay Cutler can only make that breakout more imminent. So I am bumping up Devontae Parker. I think Kenny Stills, as Jake said, was being undervalued. This is a guy they made sure to go out and re-sign, so they obviously have plans for him in their offense. So I love everything about it. I think Jay's being a little bit undervalued in terms of what he can do uh, under Adam Gase, talking about the wide receivers he was throwing to in Chicago. So I think it was big news. I'm not drafting Jay as anything more than like a low-end QB2, as Jake said, in like a two-QB league. But I do think he has upside for a little bit more. But let's move on to some other news. Uh, we, I, I touched on that Jarvis Landry thing. We don't want to get into that. We don't know the de- full details of it yet. But another piece of news, Tyreek Hill. He is losing the majority of his kick return assignments. So we, we, stupid. I agree. We heard it earlier this offseason that he was going to lose punts. Now kick returns as well. This is not good, right, Bobby? Like, we, we've we talked about Tyreek Hill. And are, are they ruining him? I mean, we figured this was going to happen. And, um, you know, Tyreek Hill, who knows if he's going to get as many touchdowns as he did last year. He probably will because he breaks out all these big runs. But it's really going to limit him with the kick returns. They're ruining his fantasy status. Then again... He's kind of small. Maybe he'll get hurt kick returning. So I can't blame them for doing it. With that being said, as a fantasy owner, I've got to say I'm a little bummed. Well, Jake, I know you're down on on Tyreek Hill. I was looking at your rankings this morning, which we're going to be talking about here in just a moment. But you have Tyreek Hill down as your number 37 wide receiver. So you weren't high on, on him to begin with. Does this actually help his value to you or does this actually just further decrease it? No, it doesn't affect it at all because I wasn't projecting him for returns because the stupid thing is what people are overrating for the fact of that you were talking about stupid. That's where it is. It's overrating what Tyreek Hill is going to do because what it comes down to is this is the obvious move they're going for because they want Tyreek Hill to be their number one wide receiver because you look at this rest of this roster, whether it's Conley, Wilson's had multiple opportunities, hasn't stepped forward. I think Demarcus Robinson is a good name to keep an eye on during the preseason. Maybe he can step up. But you look at this roster, if he's going to be asked to be the number one, I keep saying this time and again. Look at the better wide receivers that we've seen asked to be the number one with similar skill sets and how much they failed. He's just not equipped to be a number one wide receiver with what it takes to run the routes and the down the field and the attention the defense is going to give you. Randall Cobb stepping up as the number one with Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback was not good. Stephon Diggs 
when asked to be the number one, was not good. We can keep going down the list as some players, and especially given their size and their talent, are better equipped to run out of the slot as your number two option. Maybe sometimes they'll see number one targets any given week, but you don't want them to be your prototypical number one. And I think that's what we're looking at here. And everybody's thinking, oh, well, Tyreek Hill is going to see the ball 170 times, and look how explosive he is after the catch. <laughs> Just like Tavon Austin last year, right? Oh, yeah, well, no, Don't get me started on Tavon Austin. Yeah, I, I hate that guy so much every single year. That's just, I, I would rather take a kicker than Tavon. Oh, no, I won't do that. Uh, but as be said, Tyreek Hill, great with the ball in his hands. He's got to get the ball in his hands, first of all. And I think what I project him for is a very fair season of 71 receptions and 771 yards, which is an uptick from last year. But he's not going to be running the ball as much either. And that's the other part of it is, is you talked about the kick returns as they're running too. So 120 or so rushing yards with one rushing touchdown compared to last year. He's going to be used more as a prototypical wide receiver, and it's Alex Smith at quarterback. I think five touchdowns, which I have him at, might even be a little bit aggressive because it's Alex Smith in this offense. We just don't see a lot of touchdowns. And to go to your comparison, or actually the player you just brought up a little while ago, Mike, he's very much like Jarvis Landry. How many end zone opportunities does he really see? He's going to get tackled before he even gets to the five-yard line a lot of times. He doesn't see those end zone targets. No, right. And that's the thing. I think you hit on the biggest thing there is that, you know, when we're talking about guys like Aaron Rodgers throwing someone the ball, I think we could estimate some upside more than we can someone like Alex Smith throwing the football, right? You know, we have Travis Kelsey in this offense who we're projecting for a step forward, especially in the touchdown department. We saw over the second half of last year, we saw him start to take off. We're projecting one of either, you know, uh, whether it be Spencer Ware or Kareem Hunt. To, to be the running back that an Andy Reid offense would tend to produce. Do they produce a number one wide receiver? Absolutely not. And that's why people are down on Jeremy Macklin for a majority of this year is because they just, they lower their they expectations. Who he is. Yeah, he's a touchdown machine. Exactly. So when you're in Kansas City, you're not going to be a, a big targeted wide receiver. That's just not how the offense works. They don't throw the ball more than 500 times per year. So for me, my expectations were low. This only hurts it further. I, it, it's Devin Hester all over again, guys. That's, What's the difference between him and Taylor Gabriel? For real. I mean, they're the same type of player right I think I think Hill is more usable as like a you know moving him around the form, formation whereas t- Taylor Gabriel is more of like that deep threat I think that's all Taylor Gabriel is and I think that's why people aren't drafting him as maybe like a, even a wide receiver four but let's talk about some injury news that hit before we get into Jake's rankings uh, Cam Newton guys is still not throwing I think this this is going this is being swept under the rug a little bit you know people are, are not worried about it and this and that I'm a little bit more concerned about Cam Newton than I am Andrew Luck at this point. The Colts have played it right. You know, Andrew Luck's been throwing, but he's not participating in practice. They're taking it slow. They're not pushing him into it. Cam Newton, on the other hand, they put him into practice and he regressed and he had soreness in the shoulder. So for me, isn't this huge news, Jake? Like, is are, am I overlooking this? Do you think that it, everything's going to be fine with Cam? He's going to play week one. What's your take on Cam Newton? No, I think it's definitely concerning, you know, for the whole fact of, like you said, it's the not only the throwing, it's the fact that it's Curtis Samuel, it's Christian McCaffrey, it's no more Ted Ginn, it's all these options there. I mean, he'll be comfortable enough. And, you know, to go back a couple of weeks ago on something we were talking about during my show, as I said, I don't need to see Andrew Luck and play in the preseason. I just I just know what Andrew Luck's going to be. It's the exact same office, exact same system, exact same personnel. Everything is great. A little bit difference with Cam Newton, as I just mentioned, is there's different players coming in the mix here. I think Christian McCaffrey is going to catch 60-plus as a rookie. That being said, the longer Cam Newton doesn't have time to play with him and throw, and Cam Newton's had troubles at times 
throwing those, you know, out of the backfield routes to his running back. He doesn't have the best accuracy with that. I want to see some rapport there. I want to see some connection. I want to see some comfortableness before we get to the beginning of the season. So it is certainly is considering is concerning whether you're talking about the players outside of like I, I'm not that worried about Funches and Benjamin because they have their connection with him and their red zone options only really. But uh, the rest of them and then Cam Newton obviously in and of himself because not only is it the passing whether he ever gets back to that giant 30 plus touchdown season I don't think is ever going to happen. But we certainly expected better than last year. But also let's not even just throw on the shoulders the whole talk of how much this team is going to try and limit him from getting hurt by keeping him from doing these type of things as we've seen. And now what if he's only a 350 and three touchdown type of running quarterback and he's not passing for 30 touchdowns? I, I can't draft Cam Newton as a top 10 quarterback this year. I've been with that all offseason. I agree with you. And it has nothing to do with his shoulder, more of the, the quarterback that Cam Newton's become and what they're asking him to do in this offense. Uh, guys, breaking news on the show. We've been breaking more news than I thought we would on this show, and I'm kind of happy about it. Anquan Bolden has signed a one-year deal with the Buffalo Bills. Let's talk about it. Let's react to it. Uh, going with Tyrod Taylor. Obviously, this is a massive, massive hit to Zay Jones. So, Bobby, no! Bobby, of course, I'm going go to I'm gonna go to you first because this means that Zay Jones probably isn't going to be contributing very much in his rookie season. How do you feel about this? What a horrible day. This is just <laughs> such a bad day. We just should quit the podcast right now. Just, you know, sorry, guys. We're done with the podcast. I'm really sad about this. Zay Jones was my guy. I drafted in the Expert League, PPR, and I thought he was going to get all these opportunities apart from Sammy Watkins. Granted, if Watkins gets hurt, maybe Jones will get his opportunity. But what it tells me is that they don't trust Zay Jones very much. Anquan Bolden's going to get in there. He's going to make his blocks. He's going to be a red zone threat. This is really nice for Tyrod Taylor. Uh, maybe gets him an extra two touchdowns this season, which, you know, can be big. It can make the difference for one or two weeks in your season. And I like the signing for the Buffalo Bills. It makes sense. But from a fantasy perspective, I'm bombed. Yeah, Jake, we were already high on Tyrod Taylor. I know you were as well. Uh, let's talk about it. What do you think it means for Bolden? Do you think Bolden is draftable in fantasy, or do you think this is better from a, a real football standpoint? It just helps guys like Sammy Watkins not see so much attention. Yeah, I think it'll I think it'll just a trickle-down effect of helping everybody except for Zay Jones. And really, this is what it comes down to. The, the biggest thing is, especially Anquan Bolden at this point in his career, also runs majority as a slot now, as we saw with the Lions. This gives the, the best thing here is it gives Tyrod Taylor a good red zone presence because outside of Sammy Watkins, and even Sammy Watkins at times too, depending if he's seeing some really big corners, which there aren't a ton of them out there, but you know he's not the biggest red zone threat if you look across the league for your prototypical number one wide receivers. So this helps Taylor. I like the upside for Taylor here. We were already talking about more passing this offense this year, and this can only help that even more by giving him some more opportunities to maybe push into the mid-20s, maybe even 26 or 27 touchdowns, which would put Tyrod Taylor basically where he's always been inside the top 10 for quarterbacks, one of the most consistent ones there are, but now he has a little bit of a higher ceiling. Anquan Bolden himself, though, he's a late-round flyer, somebody you want to throw in in the bye weeks, because even if you look at last year, he was touchdown dependent. The yards weren't there, but the touchdowns were. So and if you look about going from Stafford to Taylor, even if we think Taylor is going to take a step forward, and he should, he's still not Matthew Stafford when it comes to the passing because Stafford's throwing for over 4,000 yards and will, you know has a better chance to near 30 touchdowns than Taylor does. So that's more than anything. I actually like Anquan Bolden in the best ball more than a seasonal, but in the seasonal, I'll, I'll throw a flyer on him in the 12th or 13th round. 
You know, I think this helps LaShawn McCoy a little bit, too, because Bolden's one of the best blockers in the NFL at his position. He is. He's getting older, so that does affect a little bit. But at the same time, don't forget, guys, Tyrod Taylor and Anquan Bolden were together in their time with Baltimore. So these two these two players know each other, so the chemistry may not take as long as, as you would think to, to develop between them. So I, I thought it was neat to break that news on the show. One more injury I want to talk about is Josh Doxson, guys. We've been hearing a lot about the Redskins wide receivers, and it, it's an article I actually wrote up this weekend, so I'm a little sad to hear that Josh Doxson came down with a hamstring injury because these things tend to linger when you have the soft tissue injuries it, that's more concerning for me than I don't know like a sprained ankle like a high ankle sprain or something like that this is something that could linger throughout the season so it kind of throws a little bit more fire at the Terrell Pryor can be a top 12 wide receiver debate doesn't it Jake oh absolutely and I was one of those people that wasn't on board with the Ty- Terrell Pryor thing because you're hearing in camp a few weeks ago from the beat reporters that as much as he was getting open Kirk Cousins' eyes kept going to Jamison Crowder first and Jordan Reed second. Well, Jordan Reed's not even around anymore because he's hurt. Oh, what a surprise. But it just comes down to the fact that if these guys aren't in the field, originally with the Crowder news, like, oh, this opens up the door for Doxson. The more time that Crowder misses a few days, you're just going to get more opportunities to see the talent that Josh Doxson has. But what I've always said along the way is that Josh Doxson has to get on the field. And this just puts him right at the doors closed back up again because Crowder's going to be out there and now Doxson is back to being third at best. And it's going to take some time. Maybe he surpasses him halfway through the season. But at this point, yeah, it definitely throws water on the on the Doxton fire. And it definitely just throws another piece of kindling on Terrell Pryor's where Pryor could end up being top 15 wide receiver easy at this point. I agree. That's what I've been saying. I, that's what I said in my article is that if there's an injury, I could definitely see it. But without an injury to Doxton or Crowder, there wasn't any way that I was touching Terrell Pryor as a top 15 wide receiver. I just couldn't project that to happen. Uh, I'm Bobby, still not. Sorry, no, guys. No, no. <laughs> I, so. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, you're still not even let's say Josh Doxson turns out to miss four games throughout the year. You're still not in on, uh, on Terrell Pryor? Cousins just mixes the ball around. Um, you know, he was the only player on the Browns last year. I've said this time and again. I just think that he goes in there and he gets drowned out by all the other talents. I'm, I'm not saying he's not the best player on that team right now. I'm sorry, in the uh, in the wide receiver core, but. I just don't think that he's anywhere close to what we saw last season because of who Cousins is and what that offense is going to look like. He's really talented, sure, but no, I don't think so. All right, guys, and the last bit of news I wanted to just touch on real quick, it was Martavis Bryant. You know, we've heard that he was reinstated, then he wasn't reinstated. Now the league's saying he wasn't. There's so much news out there, but now the Steelers have said that they are expecting him to be reinstated this week. Apparently, he's done everything in the process. That, that's That's got to be great, correct? I mean, is there anybody else in this room that's higher than me on Martavis Bryant, though? Mm, I'm, I'm high, on, but not as high. Not you, Jake. You don't like Martavis? No, I, I think I think Martavis Bryant's being vastly overdrafted, in my opinion. He went in the fourth round of the flex yesterday, and I oh, was, that is crazy! It was and it was PPR. Look, I understand Martavis Bryant's ceiling. I understand his potential, and I agree with you. That stupid stat is exactly what I just said. It's a stupid stat about the Roethlisberger and supporting two twenty top twenty four wide receivers. But the point is still there in the fact that at any time, the best Martavis can hope for is being the third option on this team. He's always going to be third behind Brown and Bell. I love the big playability, but it's the low reception total. It's the touchdown reliability. I like him a lot more in best ball. I'll put it this way, Mike. If I can get him as my third wide receiver, I'll take that every single day. But the problem is people are drafting him as a number two, and I can't do that. Wait, I'm not going to bake in all the – I'd stop buying all the risks. That's what I always say. 
I don't think the risk is necessarily there. Uh, if, Joe, if you have if you haven't seen it, Jake, check out my Martavis Bryant player, player profile because I went through I and highlighted. It. I highlighted what Martavis Bryant did this offseason and something. It's pretty amazing. He had not worked out in the offseason like ever. He said he worked out like once in the offseason when I got there, and then it, it wasn't until team workouts. So it wasn't surprising me to see it was. Uh, six of his eight performances where he finished outside the top 24 wide receivers were in weeks 13 through 17, which is the end of the season when players tend to wear down if they're not in shape. Obviously, he wasn't in shape. Apparently, he's running 4-2-7-40s. Like, this guy is a freak, and I just think it's rare to find someone that could finish as a top 10 wide receiver, which I do believe he can. I think it's rare to find them out being drafted outside the top 20, 24 wide receivers like he's been. So for me, yes, there's risk involved for sure, but uh, I I, I don't draft safety. And, and in that range, I don't know if you could find any wide receiver that's safe that you feel like can help win you a league. Cause you other, cause the guys I draft him over, you're talking about like Jarvis Landry. I draft him over Landry. I draft him over golden Tate, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, like that's the range he's being drafted I don't mind in two of those. I can't do that. I, I, I think you're crazy with the tape, but we're not always going to agree on everything. I would never do that. For sure. I, and to be fair, like I understand a hundred percent of what you're saying. I saw it. It was a very good article for everybody who hasn't seen it and everything like that. But when I say stop buying all the risks for everybody that's listening to clarify that it's not it, all players have risks. There's going to be something you can find in most everybody. My point is if you draft them as the 18th wide receiver off the board, which he's kind of creeping inside that top 20, uh, at least not over in the consensus, because as you guys know, for this, it's going to take a little while for it to catch up to everybody. But when he starts going inside the top 20, my question always back to that and where I say don't buy all the risk is where can he go up? Like, where can you get return value? Is Martavis Bryant going to finish as the 12th best wide receiver? I'd say 100%. No, maybe somebody, maybe you disagree with me on that, and that's fine. And then you're not buying all the risk. But for me to take him as 18, 19, 20, I don't see him finishing any higher than that. So now you are buying all the risk because the only thing you can get is lost value. You have no potential return value. And yep, that's where I that's you. where I'm coming from. Yeah. I, and I agree with you in terms of that. And the fact that I wouldn't draft him as the number 17 or 18 wide receiver, but getting him where you are, like if you're able to get him as the 22nd, 23rd wide receiver off the board, that's where I'm good with it. But I understand what you're saying. If you're buying him there, you're basically buying the risk built in and you're not getting any of the reward that you're supposed right. to. So I, I definitely, I understand where you're coming from there. So before we move on to Jake's rankings, I got a few quick hitting mailbag questions I'd like to at least get on the show. Let's not linger on them, um, just to give our listeners a base idea of how much league settings impact our player rankings. First one's from Eric in Ottawa. By the way, you can send them to mailbag at fantasypros.com if you want to be featured on the show for a mailbag question. Anyway, Eric in Ottawa, he's got a 2QB league with six points for passing touchdowns. Is Aaron Rodgers better than Antonio Brown in that format? Tags, I'll let you go first. I couldn't take him over Antonio Brown, but I actually, I wouldn't argue with you. I wouldn't say it's a bad pick at all. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, same thing. He's not better, but because of the format, it's almost a, it's a pick that I could see doing. Our, uh, our auction calculator, when you plug in these results, I did it. And as Antonio Brown is the number one player, Aaron Rodgers is the number two player down two bucks. So it's really close, but I'd still go with Antonio Brown. I trust the numbers on our site. Uh, that tool's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'd only take the elite players over him, to be fair. I would only take Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, uh, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, and Odell Beckham. Outside of them, I mean, in Zeke, if he's not suspended, but outside of those guys, Rodgers would definitely be a pick that I would take in the middle of the first round. Yeah, six-point passing touchdown, two quarterback leagues. That sounds like a fun one. Next one, Steve on Twitter, no tight end league, just a flex that includes the position. So would yeah. you rather have Gronkowski 
or Sammy Watkins in this format, Jake? Sammy Watkins. Uh, yeah. I know it's like I can make the same argument for both of them about the injury history, but Sammy Watkins, supposedly this multitude of injuries and foot surgeries, this is supposed to be the final one. This is supposed to be the one that fixes everything. Gronkowski, <laughs> the arm. The, here's the biggest one. Gronkowski, the back. And that's yep. what I, like... And here's the thing: is like Gronkowski's ceiling, and those best years that he had was about wide receiver eleven ish. Sammy Watkins has that same potential, if not even potential for a little bit more, with Tyrod Taylor in this next year and more passing. And supposedly he's, I'd rather deal with a foot than a back. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've got Sammy Watkins number twenty-two overall, Gronk number fifteen overall. And when you make them the same position, it's really not even close for me. So it's Watkins. Yeah, I agree with Jake here in terms of Sammy Watkins. Like he mentioned, Sammy Watkins in terms of the reason people that people wanted to draft Gronk in the first or second round is because his value over replacement. You know, Bobby talks about it all the time, uh, the VOBD drafting and the fact that he's head and shoulders above everyone else at his position. But I think Jake made an important point here in that Gronk's ceiling is right around that number 10 to 12 wide receiver. And Sammy Watkins, I would argue that his ceiling is top five. If you look at the last... 14 games that he's played with Tyrod Taylor when healthy, his numbers were as good as Antonio Brown's were in 2016. So Sammy Watkins ceiling is definitely higher. And as Jake mentioned, the injury history with the two, I would much rather deal with an ankle than or a foot than I would with a back like Gronkowski is where there were rumors of his retirement. I don't know how, how real those were, but at the same time, I'm, I'm definitely with Jake. I go Sammy Watkins here. So we had some technical difficulties and, uh, Tags was booted out. And I was looking through my emails. We got a listener mailbag question as this was going on from Lister Fiend, as you know, Tags. And uh, they said that they Googled sexiest fantasy sports expert results attached. And it's two guys that I don't know very well. We haven't had on the show. They wanted to know if the results were accurate. Jake, I want your take on this. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, don't I know, have to like know who the results are first to tell well, you? It was, it was Bob Long is what came up as number one. So Bob, I, I don't Long. know. I'm just, I'm giving you an opportunity <laughs> to proclaim yourself as number one here, Jake. Yeah, that's that's. I was gonna say, I was my question was gonna be, it's me and who else? That was what I was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, like, hey, Bob Long's a friend, but I don't know what the hell that thing's talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I met Bob at one of the Flex League drafts that Jake hosts, which, by the way, he had that just this past weekend. And uh, I mean, I love Bob and all, but I mean, I, I think this is. I think I, I give it to Jake here. Jake's the that, sexiest. That was a that was a good time for the question. Um, I thought you were setting us up for like it was gonna be Mike and me. I was gonna be like, oh, that's quick, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the uh, the real last listener mailbag question, DJ, the 49ers fan, ouch, by the way, he wants to know if Tavon Austin is maybe being overlooked from moving from, you know, Jeff Fisher's offense to McVay's. Go ahead, Mike. You go first. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about Tavon Austin? Yeah. Uh, I, I honestly, so Jake's going to totally hate this because um, I've been a I've been a Tavon Austin detractor. I remember before I worked for Fantasy Pros, they had sent me, it was prior to that, or right after that draft, and they said, who will be the biggest bust from this draft class? And my answer was Tavon Austin. I didn't understand why people were taking him with the number one pick in Dynasty drafts. It just didn't make sense to me. It's kind of like Tyreek Hill and the fact that these are not number one wide receivers. Like, what are you doing? You do not build a team around a player like this. With that being said, Playing for Jeff Fisher is not going to do you a whole lot of favors. <laughs> Let's just be honest about that. I went through and I went back and even looked at his 2015 season, which would have finished in the inside the top 25 receivers last year. So Tavon Austin, I think, is going a little bit under the radar. I think he's a better best ball target because it's going to be hard to project these weeks. But if you recall, when he first came into the league, there were games where he had like two touchdowns and he just looked electric. It was kind of like that Tyreek Hill effect. 
where we wanted to say, wow, you know, this guy's electric, but at the same time, he's not going to be consistent because he's not going to be heavily targeted. I do like Sean McVay. I think he's going to do some interesting things with him. They have some of the possession receivers now and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. But again, I am not saying that Tavon Austin, I would draft him as a top 50 wide receiver. But if you're in best ball in a 20 round league, I think Tavon Austin is a fantastic pick around that, you know, that 16th round when you're drafting other guys who are meh at best. Like I would take him over guys like Alan Hearns. You know what I mean? Like those guys, I I would just much rather take the upside in Sean McVay's offense with Tavon Austin. And I know, Jake, it sounds like you disagree with me because you I'd almost said that you take Conley. a kicker. <laughs> no, God, no. Tavon Austin is the worst. You know who? It's I'm going to go back every single year when I say don't draft Tavon Austin. The other person that used to be in the same article, and I stopped writing about him because I was writing about him every single year was Jared Cook. There was always an excuse for Jared Cook, and Jared, hey, Jared Cook's with a new team. They'll use him the right way this time. And Jared Cook's, it's the same. Stop. I, I hear everything you're saying, Mike. And you said the only place he would even sniff my roster, but he's never going to be around for me to take him. Would be a best ball. That's the only chance I'd ever take. Him. On Tavon Austin. He will never get on the seasonal roster because the biggest thing here is like, I'm not disagreeing with you. You are right. There are going to be three or four weeks where Tavon Austin pops and he's a great value and he would be a top 20 wide receiver for you. But I'm going to take it back for everybody that's been with us for, or not with us in the show, but with the fantasy sports world for a long time. Santana Moss. Santana Moss was the worst player ever for fantasy because he showed up for three or four <laughs> games and he, he tried to figure out week. which they were. <laughs> yep. Tavon Austin, that's who I said from day one was the same guy. If you want to play with that fire, go right ahead, but you're going to burn your team to the ground. Yeah, I am 100% with you, Jake. There's no way he's touching my teams either. Is there like a super sleeper that you love this year, Jake? It only happened recently. Actually, you know what? I was already on him before the news with Will Fuller, but the Will Fuller thing just only makes it even more appealing for me. And that's Braxton Miller. I think he's being criminally under, uh, like overlooked, undervalued, whatever, because he's not even being drafted. He, he's probably not even being drafted in like 18 and 20 team leagues. Now he probably will start to see some love with Noah World Fuller. But I see a lot of people talking about Strong again. And I said the same thing about Strong last year is the size, speed, strength combination, but the hands suck. And they still haven't, to give you a fourth S there, he still hasn't really improved than we saw last year. So if you're looking at this situation, Braxton Miller, for everybody that loves Terrell Pryor, He's going down the same path. This is the same situation. Quarterback in college started to move to wide receiver, still learning this offense, has apparently had already won the slot job two weeks ago, and now there's no Will Fuller. I think Braxton Miller could be the number two receiver they've been looking for for some time and surprise a lot of people. He's ending up on a lot of my teams already, and he's going to continue to land on even more now that there's no Will Fuller. I'd take Tavon Austin over him. Ah, you're nuts. I would, though. Would it change your mind whatsoever if Tom Savage was declared the starting quarterback? Or is this all about, you know, he has to have Deshaun Watson? No, I li- like him with either one. But like I said, the biggest thing was they already said he was going to be the slot. And that was before Will Fuller got hurt. And so I think that he's making progress. And like I said, he's making more progress than anybody else in this team so far. And it's a wide open competition. And I think for the fact that he already had the number three job, that now he's got the inside track to the number two. Before we move on over to Jake's rankings, I want to tell you all about a website that's going to make fantasy football life a lot easier this season. It's Teamstake.com. If you're tired of hassling family and friends for league dues, Teamstake makes it super easy and convenient for you. They have a fully customizable pay-in and pay-out distribution system. The site is really good to navigate. 
Best of all, it's free. Please check out TeamStake.com. I used them last year for all my leagues and couldn't be more pleased. I'll definitely be back. Again, that's TeamStake.com. Okay, where to start? Tags, I'll let you go first. What do you see in his rankings that you want to ask him about? We almost always start with quarterbacks. So we're going to start out with the running backs. We always start with quarterbacks. So I want to start here, and I want to go right from the get-go. You know, we had our expert mock not long ago, and... Ty Montgomery went in the third round. I've been seeing him go at the, the start of the fourth, the end of the third recently. And it's it's like a it's like a expert consensus thing, too. People are moving Ty Montgomery up in their ranks to a top 15, sometimes top 12 running back. But Jake, you are being bold, my friend. You have Ty Montgomery at number 29 and Jamal Williams at number 30. Talk to us, man. Yeah, it's really all about talent when it comes down to this. And Ty Montgomery has plenty of talent. And let's go back and everybody can read it. Ty Montgomery was down in my running back rankings for when he came out of college. But it was basically what I broke down was he's a very talented player, but somebody needs to figure out how they want to use him because it was running back slash wide receiver when he came out. Or I should have said, yeah, he was in my wide receiver rankings at the time, obviously. Uh, it was just figure out how to use him. And the thing is, is I don't want to call him gadget because that's diminishing his skills. He's a great player, but he does, he's kind of like a trick player in the fact that you can't really put him in a true role in an offense. And as we've already seen, Last year, especially, and it has continued this talk offseason, struggles in pass protection, and that is huge. The other problem is we saw how much he struggled in short yards, especially the one game where he got stuffed, was it three straight times at the goal line? That's not what you want Ty Montgomery to be. And when it comes to Jamal Williams and his talent, and I broke this down in my draft pro- profile, is this is a term that Jason Braddock uses a lot, that I use the same thing, is it's the lower body disconnect. And the fact that his body makes all these moves from his b- bottom torso, but his, he stays upright with his upper half and he stays looking downfield and he sees contact coming. He's able to avoid it and he's got the Madden button moves in that lower half where he can do all this, keep his balance, keep churning and keep going. I've been a big fan of Jamal Williams' talent and he's the better prototypical basically running back for this offense. If you look at Mike McCarthy too, he's always wanted a more typical NFL running back and I'm not saying Montgomery's going to go away for everybody thinks that I hate Ty Montgomery. I'm a fan of his. It just comes down to I think this is going to be a 50-50 for the entire season. And it comes down to projections, which I always do. I always rank to my projections. And I have Jamal Williams for about 700 rushing, a buck 50 receiving, but I have Ty Montgomery for about 500 and 400 and 450, which is a good season from both. They're both in the top 30, but the Ty Montgomery inside the top 15, I think people are fooling themselves, especially still as of today. It's, hey, Ty Montgomery can't pass block. That is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is big. And Bobby, I wanted to bring this up because I know you you're a huge uh, Aaron Jones guy, but did you know Devonte Mays is now listed ahead of him on the depth chart? Devonte Mays is really good, man. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Devonte Mays starts in Week One. Just all three of these running backs, and, and then Ty Montgomery as well. They're all talented enough um, that I could see them performing at a high level. So uh, it does bother me as an Aaron Jones truther, but I, again, I'm not surprised. With that being said. Jake is the only person who has Jamal Williams ranked higher than me. So, you know, I may be an Aaron Jones guy, but I think Jamal Williams has taken this job over from week one. I think that it's going to be his job. I don't think it's going to be a 50-50 split. And I think it's only a matter of time before, you know, that's announced and everyone starts to realize it. That's awesome. All right. So, Bobby, who's the player that you want to talk to Jake about? I want to talk to Jake about Joe Mixon. He's got him up as the running back number 11 And I saw you took him in an expert draft in the second round and everyone was saying, what is going on here? I knew exactly what was going on because I think the same thing. Joe Mixon is 
awesome. Let's hear all about him. Yeah, well, first of all, it comes down to pure talent. We can always discuss those other things at another time, but we're playing fantasy, and if you don't want to take him, that's fine. I respect the opinion, but it's, we're just basing on talent. That's what we're going for here, and we have to analyze it from that direction. And when it comes down to it, in this draft class, there was no more talented running back. Joe Mixon was by far the most talented. Well, not by far, because Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, and Christian McCaffrey are all within his tier. But he was the top of the board. He goes to a situation in a great running offense, as we've seen throughout the history here. And he is going to be their number one option. Everybody's praised them from Andy Dalton to the coaching staff to go down the line to, hey, guess what? Jeremy Hill is on record of saying I would start Joe Mixon, which is the weirdest thing in the world to me. Who the hell is a professional athlete saying, oh, yeah, that guy's better than me on my team? Like, that's just the guy that's, that's trying the to get traded before he's a third string <laughs> running back. Oh, yeah, I guess that's a good point. It's just like I would never come on a podcast and be like, oh, you know what? Yeah, I'm the worst guy on the show. You guys should definitely go on without me or like come on my radio show. Like if I had you guys on as a guest to be like, yeah, you're better than me. You should take, take over the show. So, they, you know, they tried to move on from Jeremy Hill. Giovanni Bernard, look, I like his as well, but let's face what Giovanni Bernard is. He's a complimentary player. He's a complimentary player who sees a lot more than your typical complimentary player and is more explosive, more talented than most of them. But we're still talking he's about He's not somebody, a superstar like Mixon. Right, exactly. And the fact is he's probably going to see 30% of the share, which is great because that'll also hopefully keep him healthy and on the field. But if you just go down the line, 60% Mixon, 30% Geo, 10% Hill. And I really think that's how it's going to shake out. And Joe Mixon in this offense, I, as you said, my projections and my rankings, I have him as a top 10 running back, especially in PPR. And where it was on the board in the second round after having Julio Jones in the first, I was happy to take him as my number one. I know a lot of people are going to say I'm doing what I preach and buying all the risk, but I think he has the potential to bring back first round value as a rookie. Agree. Yep. Strong man. So, you know, sometimes we repeat talking about the same guys. And I had a guy ask me why we haven't talked about John Ross and Jordan Matthews yet. It's because players like that are only borderline roster worthy and probably fairly ranked. So what's the point really in talking about them? Then there's players like Doug Martin, who we talk about fairly often. But, you know, there's a lot of big opinions on Doug Martin and Jake. You've got one of them. You're the complete opposite as me on Doug Martin. So let's hear your case. No, listen, he's suspended and he might not have a starting job to come back to. That's really what it comes down to. And that's what I'm baking in here with my ranking is the fact that Quiz Rogers last year was very good in his role. I have continually said, and you saw it last year outside the one game, I think it was against the 49ers, if I remember correctly, where he actually had over 20 carries and still had a yards per carry and good production in the game. A lot of it was some big plays there, but at the same time, if you look at it, He's that that sweet spot. It's like that 14 to 17, that mid-teen range carries where he stays very productive, fresh throughout the game. Once you start getting to the 20s pluses, he starts to tick back a little bit. And I think that's understandable. I don't think the Bucks are going to go out here and say, oh, let's run your quiz Rogers into the ground. But he was talented in that backfield. And Doug Martin might be coming back into the timeshare on the low side of it. And let's not forget about Jeremy McNichols, who I threw a flyer on as my last pick before my defense in that draft, who's got that short, strong, compact, tough body. I'm not saying he's ever going to lead a backfield, but he is also somebody that could be a nice complimentary piece. And if he flashes this preseason, Doug Martin might not only be coming back to a timeshare, he might be coming back to a true committee with all three of them getting usage. And I am leaving Charles Sims out because I think he's the odd man out. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if you want to talk about cut candidates. I'd be surprised that uh, Charles Sims isn't on this team. But I'm looking at just a backfield just mess. And there's a lot of people that think Doug Martin's just going to come back and lead this backfield. 
I'm not one of them, unless we're talking about everybody falters in, four, in front of them, which is fine. That's a potential, but I got to take that risk when I'm drafting them, who's also going to be gone for three games. This isn't an Ezekiel Elliott or Le'Veon Bell where they're missing these games for suspension. They're going to come back and go right into their role. Yeah, it's funny that you say that about Charles Sims because of the three, he's my favorite. I mean, he was drafted in the top 100 last year. He had over 1,000 yards in 158 touches two years ago, and he was dealing with an injury last year, so he was terrible. But, you know, I think he's going to make some noise this preseason. I wouldn't be surprised if he takes over the job and Doug Martin doesn't look good when he comes back. With that being said, every single year Doug Martin's been fully healthy the entire season. He was a top 12 overall VBD player. You're right. And with that being said, I mean, you you can't get that kind of value in the fifth and sixth rounds in most drafts. And I don't like that he's going in the fifth and sixth round and fourth in some drafts. There's no way I'm touching him there. He was going eighth at the beginning of the season and I loved him there, but now it's kind of where I'm comfortable drafting him. I might get him. I'm not going to reach for him anymore, but I do like Doug Martin. He's got uh, quite a bit of ability if he is over these demons. If he is, but and you're right too. Charles Sims is looking for, hey, he was very productive with Doug Martin missed time a few, a few years ago, but it's just, and that's the big thing here is there's so many questions. You just go down the line. It's like Jaquiz Rogers, 20 plus touches per game every single week. Will he withstand that? Probably not. You know, McNichols is the rookie. Charles Sims all of a sudden just hit a wall and stopped producing. Doug Martin has been great for 16 games, but outside of that, he hasn't been. He's had some of his down years, any suspended. Just, and I, that's more of it than anything. Is I'm just staying away from this backfield unless I'm getting somebody for almost for free, which at this point just happens to be Jeremy McNichols. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, I, I can definitely respect that opinion because Doug Martin, like I said, I mean, he's so incredibly volatile. It's like Jamal Charles last year. Jamal Charles, I was really high on him. But if you were going to tell me, like, maybe he'll miss the whole season, I would say, yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. It could definitely happen. So, you know, if you want to draft Doug Martin and take that risk, go for it. I'm one that is willing to take that risk in the fifth or sixth round. But, you know, there's other players here. Dalvin Cook, you've got him nine spots ahead of, of, of other experts. They have him as running back number 23. You have him running back 14. The combine didn't scare you, I take it? Nope, not at all. This is one of those situations where, you know, maybe there's an excuse. Maybe he wasn't feeling well. We don't ever really know. But it wouldn't be the first time somebody showed up to a combine and hasn't had a great combine and has gone on to be a terrific player. You know, we even have some Hall of Famers who didn't show up well as a combine. Calvin Benjamin, I mean, remember that whole thing. He said he did it just so that he could get on the Panthers and drop that far. <laughs> That's true. I don't think Dalvin Cook was necessarily going that route. Like, yeah. it was like, ah, I got I to slip in this draft, especially as a running back. But the fact is, if you, if you watched him in college, you saw that he's a multifaceted, talented running back. He can do everything. He is somebody who can actually pass block even as of today. There are some some minor question marks with him, but if you watch his college career, I think Dalvin Cook is the lead running back in this backfield. And I thought this before Latavius Murray, who guess what is on the pup right now, not even practicing. Everybody always asked me, well, then why did they sign Murray? Well, that's because the Vikings were doing their due diligence. They had one running, well, one real running back in McKinnon on this roster. They got Murray for pretty cheap. Murray, as we saw with the Raiders, was a volume runner, and it was based a lot on touchdowns for his fantasy value. You get Dalvin Cook in the draft, which is just where the Vikings were sitting there like, oh, wow, look, at we got this great talent. We, you know, we couldn't go into the draft saying we need to get him, and that's why they signed Murray. But Dalvin Cook is the lead running back here. I think that Murray will see a little bit of a mix, but, you know, again, it's, it's people are so scared of running backs especially rookies, because it's, oh, they've never played on the field. Well, Jordan Howard, Zeke Elliott, David Johns. Like, we could go down the list. And there's plenty that you could throw a list back at me of people who have failed. But if we're just basing on talent, which is what I do, Dalvin Cook's talent is for real. 
I'm with you. I mean, all four of these uh, rookie running backs, I don't have them as high as 14, but all four of these rookie running backs are talented enough to to earn themselves 200-plus touches this season. And I know the offensive line's not great there, but I think Dalvin Cook can be a player, receive a bunch out of the backfield. Uh, makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and I have him for about 1,180, 1,190 total yards and seven touchdowns. That's not ridiculous, even for a rookie not in a situation like here is where he's going to be seeing the majority of the carries. So for everybody's like, oh my God, I can't believe you have him at 14. Again, I rank by projections and I think those are pretty reasonable expectations for him. You know, after Joe Mixon, there's just such a significant drop off in this draft with running backs that it's like, what am I going to do? Like, do you really expect me to take Lamar Miller? He's just kind of blah. I mean, with Dalvin Cook, you could at least hit a home run. Yes, exactly. And the thing is, is the difference in the competition there is, I know, talk about pass blocking, Dante Foreman has been failing at it, which is understandable because he needed a lot of work in that area. And he's not a pass catcher, but that's also why he struggles in pass blocking because he wasn't on the field for a lot of that. Well, when you're the first, second down running back and goal line option, I don't even need you to be, even as a rookie. I think the big thing with Lamar Miller is he's going to lose a lot of those touches to Dante Foreman. He's Deontay Foreman, whichever way you pronounce it. I want him to come out and tell us. I've seen tape yeah. on both. <laughs> I watch so much tape on this guy. There is more Deontay than Dante, but there's so much of both. That I'm like, just somebody please tell us for sure. But either way, I have Lamar Miller, as you've seen, down at 17. And I, don't, I still don't even feel great about that. By the way, I think that you made uh, Tags really mad because he left us. For those of you listening at home, Tags had some technical difficulties. This has never happened before, so I have no idea what's going on. Maybe he's just faking it because the food poisoning is still lingering or whatever. But (laughs) anyway, Tags is gone. I think he's gone for the rest of the episode. Maybe not. So uh, if you hear his voice, it's just bonus. But Jake and I are going to finish this one out. So sorry about that, guys. The next player I want to ask you about, then we'll move on to wide receiver, is Paul Perkins. Every single person I have come onto the show keeps telling me that Paul Perkins is underrated. Paul Perkins is underrated. He's going to get all these touches. I'm not buying it at all. You're the first person to agree with me. And frankly, it's making me feel really good about my rankings. So tell the listeners why they should not draft Paul Perkins, please, Jake. Well, just not where his ADP and people are making the cost of it. It's not the, it has not a lot to do with Paul Perkins and more to do with the situation. I actually said in that rookie class last year, that Paul Perkins was one of the most elusive running backs in that draft class. And there's still potential with him. But guess what? This is a backfield that, for how long have we been seeing, hasn't been a very run-heavy one, and two, hasn't been a very consistent one. Shane Vereen is healthy as of today. They brought in Sean Drawn. They re-signed Orleans Darkwa, which is just, I guess, that McAdoo just loves him. They drafted Wayne Gallman. I mean, this is just so many options back here. It's ridiculous. And even if Paul Perkins is the lead, he's not going to see 60% of the workload. He probably is going to be on the lower side of the 50% and kind of like the 40s just because of all the options here. Shane Vereen's the, the superior pass catcher on this team. Goldman's got the power between the tackles that Perkins doesn't at time. And even when my draft profile of Paul Perkins, I said, he can be a timeshare running back, as in he's never going to be 20, 25, 30 touches per game. He's always going to be sharing with somebody because of his limited ability in some fashion, especially between the tackles and stuff like that. I like him. I love his elusive ability, but it's also a backfield that just how much production you're going to get in this backfield. There's nobody running for 1,000 yards in it. So I just do not understand the love for Perkins. So we're moving on over to wide receivers, Jake. And we've already talked about Brandon Marshall, John Brown, Jeremy Macklin, who you're all really high on. We've talked about them a ton, so we're not even going to cover them. Tyree Kill, we already mentioned. You're 12 spots lower than expert consensus. Uh, the player I want to talk about is Cameron Meredith. You've got him 14 spots lower than expert consensus. Um, what is it that you're seeing in him that makes you skeptical? 
It's two things. It's one is, and I know he has to get on the field, and well, I'll have to adjust for this if it's not happening because it's still not happening as of today. Uh, is Kevin White because when it we comes can just down put him to, right in the Hall of Fame. He doesn't need to get on the field. Uh, that's true. Yeah, right alongside Kristen Michael and uh, who else? Jeff Janis. <laughs> you can throw all them together. All those guys. Uh, Kevin White. If you're just talking about two players next to each other, and you're saying forget the health, just compare two players. Obviously, being 100 percent healthy, but. Kevin White is the far superior player. He's just, he is. That's just what the fact is. And I find it funny that when he was coming out of college and everybody's like, oh, you know, don't worry about this whole West Virginia doesn't produce it. This is a different talent. It's a different situation. Just, and all of a sudden, after two years of being injured, which is a completely different thing, people are like, oh, you know, we tried to tell you this doesn't happen with this college. And like, no, you were the same people who were saying ignore it two years ago. It's just the fact he can't get on the field, which I admit. Yeah. Guy is- Meanwhile, he's getting a billion targets a game when he actually did play. They exactly. loved throwing the ball. Exactly. And if you're healthy, he's the number one. And that's what it comes down to. And the second part of it is just how much passing is this offense going to have and how much successful passing offenses is going to have with Glennon. And it's about the projections, which is going to go back to is Cameron Meredith. I don't hate the guy. I have him for 65 receptions, 772 yards, but only four touchdowns, which is a solid season. But according to my projections and when I rank and sort by my projection points at the end of the season, that's where he falls, which is going to say some people are like, how do you have him behind Mike Wallace and Kevin White and Alan Hearns and stuff like that? And, you know, there's a small gap between a lot of these players, but it just comes down to projections. If he catches six or seven touchdowns, obviously that would push him up 15 spots. It's just I have big concerns about how effective this offense is going to be outside of Jordan Howard, which we know how effective this offensive line is. They're going to be run first. It's going to be passing game second, even if Kevin White's healthy. Yeah, I just don't think Cameron Meredith is the number one wide receiver in a bad offense. So you don't um, want him to yeah, I, I have him a lot lower too, because I think Kevin White is uh, is a boss and Tags is going to be mad that he missed this because he wants to argue with me about Kevin White, but had to bring it up since he was gone. Um, now, the other player I want to hit on is Alan Hearns. ECR number 69 wide receiver. You've got him number 52. Yeah, and it really comes down to, as I think he gets that job back as the number two, uh, Marquise Lee, when he came out of college, and is he to, be, to his credit, he started working on it last year. He came out of college and relied on his athleticism, which was getting him by in college, because when you're that much more talented than everybody else, you don't have to run crisp routes or the most precise routes or separate with you know preciseness and have great hands every single catch and kind of not give 100%. And he was doing that early in his career. And that's why we didn't see a lot from him. Last year, finally started running better routes, started taking, you know, giving 100% effort in and out of his routes, snapping them off, giving 100% speed, that type of stuff, which has helped him emerge. But I still think he's better as the slot. You look at the position there at the offense. Alan Hearns last year wasn't 100%. Everything went wrong that could possibly go wrong. As much as we all predicted a step back for Bortles in this offense, I don't think anybody expected it to go that wrong. And if you're looking for the big plays, it's Alan Hearns to me. And again, to go to projections, it's it's not a huge season. 56 receptions, 755 yards, and five touchdowns. I mean, that's not like, oh my God, look at what I'm getting from Alan Hearns. It that's just draftable, though, if yeah, that happens. It's yeah. draftable. And, you know, Marquise Lee, I could understand a little bit more in PPR, but I think that I think everybody's writing off Alan Hearns a little too quickly after what happened last year. So we're not even going to talk about the quarterbacks, Jake, because every single expert we have on the show, and we really tend to just have the most accurate experts come on the show, they all agree. Tyrod Taylor is vastly underrated. Matthew Stafford, Philip Rivers, everyone's saying the same thing. Jake, you've got the rankings the exact same, so we're not going to cover it again. But I do want to touch on two tight ends before I let you go. Eric Ebron is ECR number 11. 
Zach Ertz is ECR number 10. You've got Ebron eight spots higher than Ertz. Yeah, it really comes down to the touchdown opportunity here. And if you look at what Ebron did last year, the positive touchdown regression was coming even before Anquan Bolden was with this team anymore. You don't have yep. that many receptions and that much yardage and only catch one touchdown. That's just an anomaly. It's kind of similar to go back to the Marvin Jones situation before he came over when he was with the Cincinnati. We're talking about the touchdown regression going both ways for him throughout his career when he was with Cincinnati. I'm looking at Ebron, and even if he only catches 700-something yards again this year, he's going to get to five or six touchdowns with the opportunities, with being a big op- option in the red zone, because, or I should say better option in the red zone because he wasn't even that much last year, is you look at Marvin Jones and Golden Tate, and I know everybody's talking about Kenny Galladay, but again, he's a rookie, and he's a rookie that was a lower-end draft pick. Well, not extremely low, but you understand. He would have been a fifth-round pick if the Lions hadn't reached for him. Exactly. And that, that's what we're really looking at here. And I think the opportunity is here for him to catch five or six touchdowns. And it really comes down to the fact we all know this about tight ends. Touchdowns are king. You give them 700-plus receiving yards, six touchdowns, boom, you're guaranteed top 10. You're probably sniffing top five, and that's where I have them. Yep, I've got Ebron number six as well. Uh, I've, I've still got Ertz number 10 right where ECR is. But uh, what is it with Ertz that you don't like so much? I mean, I know he's hot at the end of every season. Everyone gets hyped about him. Is it just that they added Alshon Jeffrey and these other pieces? No, it's that's you just said it. Is I'm cool on Ertz because there is no such thing as Ertz until December. That's the problem. Like if we, <laughs> if Ertz could show up in the first three months, I'd push him higher. But the the thing with Ertz is let somebody else draft him, watch them drop him, watch him sit on the waiver wire with a week to go in November, pick him up and stash him, get him rolling to December, take a championship. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Jake, we do have a little bit more time, so I'm going to pick your brain for one more super sleeper, but I want a running back this time. Who's someone, you already mentioned Jeremy McNichols. Is there anyone else that stands out to you as a late round addition that you like? Uh, Let's see. I I think that the conversation, I, I mentioned Gallman, but so many things would have to happen for the Giants for him to actually see significant touches. I think the big one is Devontae Booker, who was even before the injury, and I still think he's worth drafting as that super late sleeper, even with the injury, because he should be ready at the start of the season. You know, We still have time to find out, and that could go out the window. But even before the, well, I should say before the injury, I was saying, Don't be surprised if he's this year's Melvin Gordon. No, I don't think he's going to put up a top 10 performance. But everybody wrote off Melvin Gordon and wanted nothing to do with him after his rookie season. That's understandable. Same thing with Booker. Everybody just wrote him off last year. But he was a top five running back talent in that draft. C.J. Anderson can't stay healthy all the way back to college. And who else is on this roster to step at the running back position? Jamal Charles. I mean, it's looking better by the day, but there was a talk just two weeks ago that he might not be on the roster for the opening day either. So I'm looking at the situation here. Devontae Booker is still that talented running back. A couple things went wrong with him, but at times you still saw him flash and you saw that potential that he had and the yards after contact. So Devontae Booker, if you're looking at this backfield, if you're looking at one where something breaks in front of him is there's not a lot of competition around him. I'm I'm still, as of today, throwing a dice roll on him in the 14th, 15th round, and he's probably free in 18-round drafts because of the injury. Moving him up my rankings right now, Jake. <laughs> it's one of the reasons we had you on the show is just to help my rankings. So really appreciate you coming on. Awesome stuff, as always. Glad you agreed with me on a lot of it, and uh, looking forward to talking to you more. Always, always appreciate it. All right, take care, Jake. So for those of you listening at home, we have Justin Boone and John Paulson coming on for the other two episodes this week, so make sure to tune in for those. And if you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe on iTunes and sign up for the Amari Cooper signed jersey giveaway from pristineauction.com. Thanks again to the sponsors of today's show, yourrules.com. 
That's Y-O-U-R-U-L-Z.com and Teamsteak.com. For Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me just all slow.